If you brought a Bible, we'll go ahead and open it to the book of Matthew. We'll be in chapter 6, verse 19 to 24. And as you're turning there, just a reminder that we are looking at the Sermon on the Mount this fall, and we'll actually continue with it into Advent, uh, though we'll continue with our Advent themes in the next uh, coming, coming weeks. Um, but um, we, we finished chapter 5 a few weeks ago, and just by, by a little bit of review, Jesus, um, after walking through the Beatitudes, the attitudes of the kingdom, um, really got his disciples uh, to consider um, who they are internally and um, the righteousness that they need to be a part of this kingdom, a righteousness that should exceed that of the Pharisees and scribes, and uh, went on to show how this righteousness that many in that day and age were pointing at and saying, this is, you know, I'm keeping the law and I'm, I'm doing it, as we might say, uh, is, wasn't really actually keeping the law. And in that way, um, reminded his disciples that there's something more here that you've got to go to than just um, attempting to keep this law, as it were. You actually have to hunger and thirst for something outside of yourself. Um, and that, that is ultimately what Jesus has come to do, uh, is to give us his righteousness. What we hunger and thirst for is he says that I did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And so as we move into chapter 6 now, things become more external. We're looking at the righteous deeds of the disciple. So we looked at last week, and then this morning, he shifts then to more motive, but, but really the bigger picture of where our hearts are. And he makes this familiar statement that we'll hear here, where your, heart, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Um, so let's give our attention to the reading now of God's Word and where Jesus takes us here, in, beginning in verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light, is, if then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Let me pray and ask God to teach us his word this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this word to us in the book of Matthew. We thank you for just this time to be able to hear from you through it. And so we ask that you open our eyes and open our ears that we would be able to see and hear things otherwise we could not, that you would teach us something about ourselves, and that you would um, show us who you are and the love that you have for us in Christ. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm sure this will be dating myself a little bit, but um, definitely, definitely grew up as a, as a 10-year-old enjoying the movie The Goonies. Now, it didn't come out when I was 10, but uh, that's when I first remember watching this movie. And if you've seen The Goonies, you know a little bit about what it's about, I hope. Um, if you haven't seen it, I think it's appropriate to say that that's your homework assignment after the service. You just need to go home and watch it. Um, but trusting you have some idea of what it is, it, it's, it's just that classic story of, of kids 
and adventure. And what is that adventure? It's, it's this lost treasure map that leads to this hidden treasure, period. And there's, you know, there's evil uh, people trying to get that or stop you from getting that, right? Uh, the Fatalis. There's, uh, there's this interesting character of people. They call themselves the Goonies, these kids that all work together to try to go get this treasure. Um, I don't know about you, but I took this a little bit further than probably most people. Because when I would watch it, um, it, it drew such a, a, a curiosity in me that I would actually go out into the woods where I lived, and I would spend much of my time there literally looking for treasure. Um, certain I would find some box that somebody had buried and forgotten, and I would, I would, I, I know there's people out there that did this, by the way, but sure, they will, I would uncover a box of gold coins, um, something, maybe uh, come across this uh, rare stone or mineral that was valuable. Uh, you can ask my mom how many times I would just walk up to her with this random stone and be like, is this anything? Does this, this look valuable to you? Is this treasure? Um, well, not that this is a surprise, but I never found any. And all the digging and all the searching, never found any, anything. But I could also say, certainly at 43, I, I never stopped looking either. And, and not just obviously for the, the, the literal treasure that we might think of when we, we think of adventure and we think of treasure maps with, with an X at the end of it that marks the spot of this, this gold and whatever else we might call treasure, but actually probably something more that my heart was after that I certainly at age 10 was not able to understand or know much about. That something else was going on here um, in this search for metaphorical treasure, we might say. And this is exactly where Jesus goes in this section. And it's an interesting section because really the points that we're going to look at, they're all assumptions that he makes about you. And they're all assumptions that he makes about me, which means they're all assumptions that he's making about his disciples, about people. And that is we have hearts that are longing for treasure. And it's not just, as I said, the, the gold and the minerals and the diamonds or whatever it is that would give us wealth. It's actually something uh, that lies behind that. It's something that we can hold on to that's going to give us security. That's going to give us um, uh, value, purpose. Later on, we'll hear the word mammon, which is the thing that can be trusted. And in so many ways, this is what Jesus knows about us. He knows that our hearts are looking for this. He knows that our hearts are, are, are longing to hold on to something in this world to say, is this the treasure that I can hold on to, that I can trust, that I can have make sense of my life? And as we unpack this, what Jesus reveals to us as, as, as his listeners is what really drives and distinguishes his followers what I would say is really the heart of this sermon is where treasure is really found. Which is to say, what is it? And it's really a diagnostic for us to look at what it is that your heart is going after, what it is your heart is grabbing onto, and ultimately what is your heart serving. And that, that is really the three things that I want us to uncover in this text as we discuss the idea of treasure, but more importantly, what our hearts are looking for. 
and what that has to do with his kingdom. And so I want us to see these three things, how our, our hearts, your heart, how it searches for treasure. I want us to see in this text how our heart, how your heart is shaped by that treasure. And then lastly, how our hearts, how your heart will actually serve what it treasures. See, Jesus' desire to uncover this in our lives has everything to do with which kingdom we find ourselves a part of. That's really the point of this text. So let's look at that beginning in that first one. Like our hearts, your heart, it searches for treasure. Beginning in verse 19, Jesus says, as we just read, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in, but lay up treasures for yourself in heaven where neither moth or rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. As I said, Jesus begins this section by saying something very interesting about us. It's an assumption that he makes, and he doesn't, he doesn't ask if you look for treasure, if you notice, right? He actually assumes that you are. And again, it's not the treasure at the end of a treasure map. It's something bigger than that. It's something that we would look to to help give us meaning in life. And he simply asks the question, you know, when you're doing this, because he assumes that you are, don't look or store it up, as it were, here on earth. Store it up in heaven. And we'll get to why he gets at that here in a second, because actually place dictates treasure. That's his point. You know, if, you, if, if you're storing up treasure here on earth, you can probably imagine the things that you would put in there. But if you begin to shift your gaze, your mind to, to his kingdom, which is what he's doing, to heaven, right, it changes your treasure. Or what are you going to do with gold and riches in heaven? But more on that later. But what he's, what he's after is, is, is to point out that we are actually on this mission. Our hearts are, are searching for something, and it does this all the time. Now, why do our hearts do this? And it's, it's really, we really have to go, just go back to the fall in Genesis 3. It's a product of the fall when our first parents, Adam and Eve, when they, when they, when they took of the, of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and this act of, of disobedience, we call it, and this act of sin, it created a fundamental separation between you and what we could say is actually the most trusted thing the most valuable thing that you could put at the center of your life, which is God himself. Right? Sin is not just this sort of, I did something bad. It is a cosmic, a cosmic disruption, as many refer to it as, where, where what was once central in the ordering of our lives with God at the center was then ripped apart. We were separated is the better phrase for that. Where God used to sit at the center of our lives, and thus he was, we could say, the treasure that our hearts sought and it trusted and lived out of. Now, right, something else sits there. It's a product of Genesis 3. This is why Jesus is assuming all of these things about you, because this is what he knows about us post-Genesis 3. Something else sits there. God has been now replaced or, or, or separated from us because of this cosmic disruption and now the question is, is what sits there? What sits there now? What has taken the place of, of God in our lives that is now what we look for, for purpose and meaning and security and whatever that is, that is actually a good definition for treasure in your life. 
I would go so far to say that the story of Scripture says that we are on a constant quest our entire lives to find something to put there, to find something that we could put back in the center of our lives that we could trust that would give us what's the security we long for, the value we long for, the worth we are looking for, and what Jesus is assuming about you and what he's assuming about me and our hearts is that we are always, always looking for this and something or in someone. In other words, our hearts search for treasure. And the natural things that our hearts go for, for the security, right, the, the, the natural, the obvious thing, right, would be money, which is why he mentions it. <laughs> Riches. But we could, we, you know, we can't limit it to that, right? We could also put in relationships there. We could put work in there. We could put any good thing that we would put in our lives is to say, like, this is what actually gives me security and meaning and, and value and purpose, all those things. Right? The other word we might use for this treasure is an idol. It's what the Bible refers to as taking something that's not God and making it God or asking it to be God for you. Jesus knows this about us. He knows that our hearts are searching for this treasure. And the question the text is asking here at first is, is do you know this about yourself? As I said earlier at the beginning, right, this is, Jesus wants his disciples to know themselves. You notice that? Like, he wants you to know your motives, your manner. And part of this, as we'll see, is so that we can be people who are poverty of spirit, we are people who go back to mourning and grieving the ways that, man, we have put something else other than God himself as treasure in our lives and sought after that. And now we can go about the business of repenting of that, right? Of, of, of reordering those things of hungering and thirsting for what is really true treasure. But in many ways, this is sort of half of the battle as we acknowledge the fact, as we look at the question, do you know that your heart is searching for something? Because if you don't know this about yourself, you'll never think to ask, what is it? But what does Jesus do here at this point? Right? He doesn't sort of ask if we look or store up treasure, right? He doesn't sort of even command here. Rather, he says that when you do, don't look here, look there. Don't store it up here, store it up there. Right? He gets us to think about treasure differently. Why? By changing where we might look for treasure, where we might store it up. And why? Well, I said earlier, place of treasure dictates treasure. Your priorities dictate what it is you do. And if the kingdom of God is priority, if, that, if that's where your treasure is, then this is going to dictate the things of your life. But if the place of treasure is here on earth, which will mean that the things, uh, the things that are treasure are actually earthly things, that's going to dictate your life. If your storehouse on earth, you know, so the question is, is your storehouse, right, on earth or in, or in heaven? If it's on earth, then your treasure is earthly, riches, money, things that will only perish. But if it's in heaven, then your treasure is heavenly things, and that's a different what priority. It's a, it's a different mindset. It's a different kingdom. But before we go there, 
me just stay with this point. Do you know this about yourself? Do you know that your heart looked in a thousand different places for treasure this week? Do you know that your heart is looking for treasure all the time? Growing up uh, before the internet, um, and many of us will remember this, Black Friday sales meant that you had to get up and you had to drive to the store. Maybe I need to explain what a store is these days. I don't know. Um, And before, you know, you had to do all this and be there before what? It opened so that you could buy whatever it is that was on sale before it ran out. I remember seeing stores that opened at 9 o'clock, but there would be lines at 3 and 4 in the morning of people waiting all night just to buy a TV at half price. In some cases, stores would open their doors and chaos would ensue, and we'd see you know, videos of it on the news or at TV, and just this massive, just chaotic scene of people flooding the store and even harming other people. For what? For a discounted blender. And maybe you're like myself, right? It was easy to sort of look at situations like that. I wasn't much of a big Friday or Black Friday person, but certainly liked the discount whenever I could find one. But I, w- I would look at, look at scenes like this on TV and I would separate myself a little bit, right? From these types of, of chaos and, you know, distance myself, like that's not who I am. But, 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 but isn't it, for those that have those images, isn't it a great picture of your heart? And see, if you don't think that it is, then you're not listening to what Jesus is actually saying here. It's a, it's a perfect picture of your heart. And see, thanks to Amazon, right, we don't have to stand in lines anymore, but that doesn't mean we're not searching doesn't mean that our hearts are not looking for something. And, and I'm, look, I'm, not, I'm not necessarily talking about material things on, 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 a, on a website that would be mailed to us, so that could be true for other people. But the point is, is that this is what our hearts are doing. And, and unless God intervenes, right, where he goes with this and the rest of the story, right, he leaves us to ourselves, which means that he leaves us to that chaotic scramble of looking for something, looking for that thing that will ultimately be mammon for us, that will be security, that will be the thing that we can trust, that will pull things together. And before you can figure out what that is, the question is, do you know that you are searching for something? That our hearts are searching, that they're looking for something to say, make me happy Make me whole. Make me less anxious. Right? That's a big theme that we'll unpack next week when it talks about the anxiety that we feel. Don't worry about anything. Well, why would we worry about something? Well, we're looking for, for things that are perishing to be at the center of our life. Of course there's going to be worry and anxiety. But we are looking for something to make us whole, to make us less anxious, to make us, to secu- make us secure to make us unafraid, all the things that are products of the fall. And Jesus is simply wanting us to start with, do you know this? This is my assumption about you. I know this about you. Do you know this about you? Because if you you don't, right, 
what Jesus has actually come to do for us won't make much sense. And perhaps more importantly, he won't become treasure for us. I labor here on this first point because I, I kind of think it's the, first, it's the most important. There's, there's so much here to go through in this section. I feel like there's four or five sermons at least here in these verses. But I kept coming back to this first point. I couldn't get out of it because I think that this is really the place that this meets us and needs to meet us, especially if we've been Christians for years. To come in here, are we, you know, we, we talk about maybe are we, is the church asleep? I don't, I, I don't know. But I think where that begins and, and, and what Jesus is doing for us is unsettling here because he's, he's getting our attention by asking us, are you aware of what your heart is going after? Of what it's storing up? And everything he goes on to talk about after this is directed right at that. And if we're willing to admit that there, that there is you know, aspects of our heart that are still searching and longing to attach itself to things, then we can go further with him as well. So let's do that. Because if we're willing to say, yes, okay, there's something that I'm looking for, then maybe, maybe the next question is, is, what is it and what is it and what is it doing to me? And that's where Jesus goes next in this, this sort of uh, almost a, an illustration here of, of the statement, wherever your heart is, there your treasure will be. Wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. All right, so this is, this is the first point, that, that our hearts are searching for treasure. This next point, though, is that it's not just that we will search for treasure, that, that, that we will hold on to it, and this thing will shape us. Okay? Our hearts, your heart, is shaped by that treasure. Looking um, after beginning with the reality that our hearts are, are looking and searching for something to call treasure, Jesus shifts to how we are shaped by whatever that is. So I, I really think verse 21 sort of is a hinge verse here. It kind of plays on both ends. Uh, so for where your treasure is, as he just got done saying, that your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, he says. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. And then the light in you, right? If it is darkness, how great is the darkness? What is he saying? He's talking about the effects now, right? Of the things that we latch our hearts onto. The treasure that we claim. He's saying that these things, these, this treasure, right? Where our heart is, are the things we give our time, we give our attention to that what? That ultimately shape us. That ultimately shape our hearts. And whatever shapes your heart gives direction to your life. That's his point. The eye and the heart here are actually the same. They're, they're, they're used interchangeably. And Jesus says if, if many of the issues right, and the problems that we face in life flow out of our hearts, which he does often, then our eyes or what we see, right, that's what gives direction to our hearts, what gives direction to our life. Listen to Psalm 119 here. You'll hear, it inter, you know, you'll hear it, the word heart and eye sort of interchanged back and forth. Verse 10, just listen to this. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. Verse 18, open my eyes that I, may, that I might see your wonderful things in your law. Turn my heart towards your statutes and not towards selfish gain. Turn my eyes away from worthless things. Preserve my life according to your words. The eyes and heart here are almost interchangeable. And what Jesus is getting at is, is one, what we see, right? What we think about, what we, what we daydream about. Like, it not only gives insight to our treasure, or to what we are treasuring, but two, that that treasure is actually shaping us. It's doing something 
to us. It's either giving you life according to the text or it is taking it away. It is either healthy, right, bringing health to the body, or it is darkness. And you're already thinking about this, right? There's no greater illustration of this than in the character of Gollum in The Lord of the Rings, right? You're thinking this. What better character demonstrates what, this point of the text? Just in case you haven't read the story, Gollum what, finds the ring, and the ring becomes his precious, right? And we could say that this is the thing that what is his treasure, right? And as his treasure, it's the thing that his eyes are constantly on. But what is it doing to him, right? And, and it's wonderful as you read through the stories, right, you get flashbacks of who he was when he, before he found the ring, right? And then, then, then how the ring slowly over time turned him into anything but a hobbit, what we would say is anything but human in our language here, right? right? It's such a, a wonderful illustration of how the things that we can put in our treasure, right, the things that we treasure, the things that we begin to look at and gaze at, it shapes us. It's not, there's no, there's no neutral ground here is what Jesus is saying. And it's either doing one of two things. It's either giving you life, this treasure, this thing that your heart is searching for, or what? It is taking life away. Jesus is saying what you look at, what your heart is set on as treasure is like a light that floods our body. It's like a light of a lamp that fills a room. And because of this, what we treasure has power to direct our lives because it shapes our heart. And the question Jesus is getting at to ask us is, what is that? And is it bringing health to the body, to the heart, or is it bringing death? And maybe we could even say here, are we even aware that the things that we are grabbing hold of, that they bring death outside of what Christ and his kingdom bring us? Another illustration of this, if we look back at Matthew 19, we, we read of uh, this rich man who comes to Jesus and he says, Teacher, what, is, what, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. Jesus talking to this man. To which he replies to Jesus, he says, well, which ones? And Jesus says, well, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. To which the young man said, all of these I have kept, but what do I lack? And then Jesus, right, obviously knowing something about this man, if you would be perfect, if you would be whole, if you'd be complete, go and sell what you possess and give to the poor and you will have what? Treasure in heaven. And come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, the text says, for he had what? Great possessions. And Jesus said to his disciples, just to continue with, this, with, with the rest of this, truly I say to you, only with difficulty, Will a, per, will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven? Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished, saying, who can then be saved? <laughs> well, what can we say here? We, we, can, we can hear the story about this rich man, right? And maybe some of us are more familiar with it. We can say what the rich man's treasure was. It was his wealth, and this is the easy one to point at. Right, but we can also say, what, what does this man see? 
which is what Jesus is getting at in this verse. Right? What does he see? What has shaped this man's heart such that it has led him to this place? And this is where our treasures really begin to have power over us because they become the place that we go to for identity. This man didn't just see wealth, right? He actually didn't know who he was without it. You see that? And therefore, he could not let go of it for something far better than anything that he could have here on earth. This is what is at stake. Because of our sin, because of the separation that we experience in the garden, because of this mad scramble, this chaotic scramble, this search for our hearts to find something. Because it won't just find it, right? It, it'll hold on to it and it'll let it just shape us. Again, such as a lamp of the eye, right? Floods a room, floods our bodies. Gives direction to who we are, shapes who we are. We might have grown up hearing that story and reading it, thinking, you know, how in the how in the world could anybody ever meet with Jesus and say that? It's easy. But when we look at Jesus and what he's actually offering, we think about. You know, that's sort of the negative side of it, how, how the things that we put um, as our treasure, how, it, how it, the things we look at and see and think about, how it shapes our hearts, right? It takes life away. Jesus, what has come to do the opposite? Right? He has come to free you, actually, of the very thing your heart will attach itself to, actually the thing that will kill you spiritually, if not physically. Jesus has come to free you from taking things that will perish or go away and forming an identity around them. And so here Jesus gives us a way to discern what our treasure is by asking, what are you literally looking at? What has caught your eye? And another way to ask this is, what do you think about? Or what, what, what do you catch yourself daydreaming about all the time? Where do you, where do you just sort of um, mindlessly drift when you're on your phone? What do you look at? Are you constantly checking a stock por portfolio? Are you constantly checking your bank account? Are you daydreaming about the remodeling of a kitchen over and over and over again? Or perhaps that next vacation? Or maybe more to the point, who? Who are you daydreaming about? Again, to the point where it shapes your heart and it gives direction to your life. This, this is how we're changed. We don't wake up one morning just, okay, I'm going to go do this or do that. We, we, we are on a steady diet of feeding ourselves these things. It begins at what we look at. And often the things that we give our time with, that we look at, right, that is the indication of what our treasure really is. And just like this young man in the story, not only becomes the thing that shapes us, but it's ultimately what we serve. And this gets to this last point. It's not just that our hearts are searching for something. It's not just that that something will shape us. It's that this is the thing that we will serve. According to the text, look at verse 24. No one can serve two masters, Jesus says, for either he will hate the one 
and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in money. Here's the, the final assumption for Jesus in this section. What you ultimately treasure, what shapes you, you serve. It becomes your master. For Jesus and in his kingdom, there is only room then for one treasure, for one master. This is the purity of heart that he talked about back in the Beatitudes. You cannot serve what you treasure. Um, you cannot serve what you treasure and God at the same time. So Jesus' followers must be pure in heart or single-minded. And here he says then at the end, you cannot serve God and money. And it's that last word I want us to just look at briefly. The word that is translated money here is the word that I've been using called mammon. All right, it's true. The trusted thing is, is, is what, it, what it gets at, what it means. That which one trusts according to one commentary anyways. But you can put into that any kind of wealth or riches or relationship or anything that you have looked at and said, this is it. Right? This is where my heart has landed for now. This is the thing that I'm allowing to shape me. And this is now the thing that my heart is serving. That's what mammon is. It's that thing that that which one trusts. And there's nothing that rivals God in our world, if we're honest, than money, which is why it's translated that way in your Bible probably. And why? Because there's nothing that we put our trust, put our trust in more than money. But to Jesus' point, what is ultimately trusted in our lives, it does become our master. It's weird how that happens. It becomes our Lord, which becomes our place of rest. And this is both the real danger that Jesus is pointing out to those who seek to follow him, but it's also, it's also our hope. Right? It's the danger because we can become slaves to the things in this world that ultimately destroy us. We looked at 1 Timothy 6 earlier in our scripture reading. Let me back up and look at verses 9 to 10. Paul says, For those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving, hear that? That some have wandered away then from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. All right, this is the danger that Jesus is warning his disciples about. That this is this is the direction that our hearts can ultimately go in. And again, it's a diagnostic. Do you know this? Do you take seriously uh, both that your heart is searching for something, but that it's looking to attach itself to something that is shaping it, that it longs to serve? Right? But this is also the hope, right, for us. And why is, it, why is there hope for us, for, for, for Jesus' disciples anyway? It's hope for us. Why? Because Jesus loves those who repent. Jesus loves those who are poverty of spirit. Those who exchange false gods for real ones. Those who exchange bad kings and kingdoms for real kings and kingdoms, for true mammon, that which can be trusted. Because in that repentance, and this is the hope, what we meet, real treasure. 
You've you got to love this part of the, uh, of the text, right? It's, it's, it's not the condemnation uh, of, of, of people whose hearts are searching for other things. It's the grace and mercy to, to give them an opportunity uh, to be presented with the real thing. Through poverty of spirit. Through repentance. It's not a one and you're done, right? It's not you're out of here. It's know this about yourself and be of mind and be a practice to be, to be, be contemplating, looking at, aware of the things that your heart is going after. And when you find it, when you sense it, when, when, you, when you ask a friend, like, what, what have you noticed about my life that might be distracting me from, 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 from the kingdom? That you have a place to go with that, which is repentance, that poverty of spirit, that you might what? Find and come back to what is real treasure and what is real treasure. Listen to it in Hebrews 13, 5. Keep your life free from my love of money. Again, another text on money here. It's not a coincidence. And be content. Be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And you see what the writer of Hebrews is saying there. Right? Jesus, what? Jesus is the real treasure. Jesus is the real treasure. He is the true mammon. He, he is the only way your heart will find contentment. And why? Because he's the only one that you can trust. The one who never perishes, the one who never leaves you, as the text says, who is what always with you. It's not just seeking the kingdom then, which is what Jesus has in view. It's actually what seeking the king that goes with that kingdom. It's not just having the priorities of this kingdom as we looked at before, right? Storing up treasure in heaven, not just here on earth, but it's actually desiring what is the true treasure of this kingdom, which is this king. And so where do we go with this? Because this is our hope, right? right we've, come, we've kind of landed the plane a little bit here. We're, we're, we're coming down for this landing. We, we know that, that, that there's this, this kingdom here that we should be pursuing, uh, the place that we should be storing up treasures, not here. To find out that this treasure that we are looking for is really in Jesus. So here's where we're going to leave it. Christians, friends, and then our people who have treasure because they have Jesus and nothing else. Christians are people who have treasure because they have Jesus and nothing else. That's his point. Jesus is what your heart is looking for because only in him can we find true security and value, right? Jesus is the only treasure that you can trust really to shape us by giving us life, not taking it away. And we could, we could go literally here. He's going to give you a resurrected body from what death takes away. Jesus is the only treasure worth serving because why? He's the only one that you can truly trust. And why can we say this? Because he's the only treasure that has ever truly loved you back. Right? I want you to think about the things that perhaps maybe God has presented to you that you treasure. Your money. My money, your wealth, my wealth, your riches, your relationships, my relationships. None of it will love you back. And if it can, it can't love you like Jesus does. Earthly things and earthly relationships, they will fail you. And even if you're thinking, my my spouse or this best friend has never failed me, they will die. (laughs) 
one day. That is a failure compared to what Jesus is pointing you to, to eternal, eternal joy, eternal treasure with the Father. His love never does. Do you see that? That's why he's true mammon here. This is, this is where our hearts can go and need to go. And the grace of Jesus is that we, or that he would have mercy on those whose hearts go after treasure other than himself. And that in spite of all of our searching and looking, what he never looks anywhere else but you. Which is why Jesus and his kingdom won't be number one. It won't be our treasure until what you see him making you his treasure. And that's where the gospel gets in. Jesus gave up his kingdom, his rule, his comfort, his riches, his his all, everything, what to become a man to come here and, 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 and what? To be here to serve you. Jesus wasn't searching for treasure either, right? He already had it. And when we sold ourselves into slavery to another Lord, right, what he, he, what, he buys us back. He reclaims us. He redeems us. He redeems his treasure. And that's what the cross is. In other words, Jesus never took his eye off his true treasure, his bride, his church, which is you. And that shaped his entire mission, a mission of serving you. Jesus became, became your servant so that you could what become his treasure again for eternity. And until you see that that's true, until you see that he Right, never stopped actually making you his number one, his treasure. He and his kingdom will never become your treasure. Until you see that he's the only thing, the only treasure that has loved you back, sacrificially, unconditionally, that has given you mercy and continues to give you mercy as your heart goes on to other things, you won't consider this treasure trustworthy. So maybe we come back to the gospel again of grace and of Jesus that says, that I have looked no other place but you, and I've secured you as my people. And this you can trust. Would this be light for us as we continue to, to send our gaze to Christ, to this table now as we go to commune with him, that he and his gospel and his truth would fill us, thus shaping our hearts, directing our paths to eternal things, eternal-minded things, living for him and his kingdom as the true men and in our lives. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word to us, and we pray that you would do the work of searching us. You would do the work of revealing to us the ways that our hearts are going after other things. That you would do the work of revealing to us the ways that we are allowing these things to shape us and that we would uh, repent. We would have a poverty of spirit, a mourning attitude towards these things that we may come into contact with real treasure again, with the only thing able to give us life, which is your son Jesus. And we see that in his ministry, that he is the true treasure that has only loved us back more than any other treasure that we or our hearts could hold on to. And that drive us closer and closer to this reality, to this mammon that is the one thing that we can trust. And we would do that as your disciples, because this is what you call us to as people part of your kingdom now. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.